0: going on everybody welcome to another episode of the all in man cave podcast with your host me cole hate we are gonna have the preview episode for week nine in the nfl this we are a past the halfway point for the nfl it is a lovely friday very cold here in pennsylvania absolutely freezing if you're asking me uh, but it's Friday, right? So we made it through another work week, and we're only a few days away from another slate of great NFL football games. So we got some news. We got some updates that I promised you guys I would get uh, via our midweek podcast from Wednesday. Some th- some new stuff, uh, some updates on some of the stuff that we went over. Uh, and then we're going to hop right into all of the games for the week nine slate. Uh, against the spread, uh, my picks there, and also for the over-under. So let's go over some of the news updates. If anybody hasn't seen, turn your phone on, go on ESPN. Odell Beckham Jr. has been officially released from the Cleveland Browns. Uh, This comes after his dad posted a video of all the times he was open and Baker Mayfield did not find him. I encourage everybody out there to watch that video. His dad, not the best at creating a montage video against uh, Baker Mayfield in terms of the quality. However, he did capture a lot of good things on that video. I did get a chance to watch it yesterday and then rewatched it again today just to see if I could find things that I didn't see in there. There's a lot of plays in there where Baker Mayfield prematurely gets rid of the football, and or tries to run for a first down while Odell Beckham Jr. has multiple yards of space between him and the DB currently covering him. It spans between uh, four weeks, four different teams. Two of those teams I remember vividly being the Bears and the Vikings. So, listen, I, I don't think Odell went out and told his dad to make this video uh, but he also didn't put it to shame saying, listen, he could have came out, he, he could have went to the media, he could have released a statement on Twitter, he could have done anything, basically, saying, listen, I didn't tell my dad to do this, I I, I apologize, love my dad to death, but it, was, it wasn't a good thing to do, shouldn't have been released, he could have made an easy statement like that, and this probably would have put most of this to bed, but uh, after that, uh, there's no coming back from it. They knew he was upset. It was vividly clear that he was upset where he was at with the targets and everything and what have you. But there's something that nobody's talking about. Odell has a lot of drops this year, too. He was in multiple locations in multiple games where you could have made a catch to win the football game. You could have made a play to keep your team in the football game. Most notably against the Chargers. If you guys remember that huge scoring game, I believe it was 47-42. to 42. The Browns had ended up losing. But he there was a pass on 4th and 2. I remember watching it on Game Pass where Odell hits him right in the face. Hits him directly between the eyes. Off the face mask. It's a 4th and 2 play. Extends a drive. They probably end up winning the football game if he makes that catch especially with the way they were able to run the football in that game. So uh, interesting to see what happens with Odell moving forward. With his release, I didn't get the exact impact in terms of salary, what people owe him, if they paid him out, how much they paid him out. I didn't get any of those details, yet I don't think they're actually out there. I tried to look it up, didn't find anything. So we'll see if they paid out the rest of his $8.05 million that he's owed. But since he's officially been released, he now can sign with any football team. Uh, and the details of that obviously will change depending on what comes out with how much they paid him, how much he's owed and how much he wants from other football teams. So he cleared waivers. Nobody picked him up. Uh, he wanted he, he wanted to leave. He made that known uh, based on his actions and based on his, non, his non-committal verbiage to doing anything via social media or via the, the media. Moving on, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. It, it it's gonna be a very polarizing topic for a long time. And that's what's getting most of the it's getting most of the media's attention, especially this week since it was supposed to be a huge game between Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, non vaccinated multiple reports and you've seen it on camera and in videos that he admits that he was immunized uh, and releases that information when asked if he was vaccinated, he says, yeah, I'm immunized. This comes out uh, and breaks that he had some type of some type of home cure remedy done by his doctor that he requested the NFL to consider va- a vaccination, which they poo-pooed real quick and said, no, you're considered an unvaccinated player. He still says yeah before he says he's immunized. Therefore, he's still lying. So uh, uh, that that's basic. That's basic English. He's he's still lying. Aaron Rodgers has still lied to the media. He committed multiple times on in post game press conferences that he did not wear a mask. It it was either not over his nose or at his neck or not on at all so it's still a problem now there's there's another issue with this that may may become and and may become huge is were their protocols being broken not only in terms of aaron Rodgers himself but also with the packers organization as a whole that's being investigated now that's the part of the the story that's basically the biggest update is like can there be suspensions held out for this can Aaron Rodgers actually get suspended for breaking the protocols can the the coaching staff be be absolutely found guilty of breaking the protocols it could be an organizational downfall in which the communication wasn't good they thought that they could cover it up like i don't know what their intent was or how how it and we'll all see as this unfolds but He's available to come back next Saturday as long as he's asymptomatic and he has two not non-positive tests, uh, just like everybody else. Uh, the protocol is obviously a little bit different for people unvaccinated versus vaccinated, so we'll see what happens, especially in this coming week. But Aaron Rodgers at some point is going to have to get in front of the media and try and explain himself. And if anybody, if anybody out there hasn't watched or even has watched a – and Aaron Rodgers' media circus. It's interesting to watch how he how he covers himself up and the way he projects himself. So keep an eye on that, and we'll see how the Green Bay Packers do this week against the Chiefs. We'll obviously talk about that game in a little bit when we get to the the games against the spread uh, for the preview. But it's very interesting, and it's it's got it's going to be very overall. Uh, it's going to be a circus. And people are going to focus on this and this only regardless of what happens versus the Chiefs this week until this entire thing is over and done with or Aaron Rodgers talks at the podium. Next, the TMZ viral video released for Henry Ruggs Crash. I saw the video on Facebook. I was scrolling through. Didn't have time yesterday to watch it when I first saw it, so I decided to watch it today. There's two videos. One, The first video available is... The, the person killed in the crash, their car go by on the street view. It's a street view video from a street view camera. And then him following shortly behind going 127 miles an hour while already trying to break about a block away before the crash. Pretty interesting. You can easily identify his car. So it, I encourage you guys to go and look, look at these videos. Cause it's very interesting, not, not graphic, uh, but unless you consider a car on fire graphic, but there's there's no, it's not gory, uh, but very interesting to, to see what unfolded. Now, that's just the first video. It's only a few seconds, maybe a 15 seconds max of his car going by and you guys being able or anyone being able to identify that it's his car. Second video is what was called the after- aftermath via the internet. So it's basically Henry Ruggs and the female in his car. Outside the car, the cars has already spun out. They've exited the vehicle, and the the other car is in the middle of the road on fire. The exchange between Ruggs and the female and then the other, uh, I guess you could say, the other people around that viewed the scene is very interesting. You have Henry Ruggs sitting on the ground with the female. Uh, He's upset visibly. She's upset visibly. He seems a little impaired. Uh, not sure exactly if that's from alcohol or shock, probably a combination of both. But very interesting. Turn, turn your computers all the way up. Turn your phones all the way up and listen to the audio in that video. It, 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 he's telling her to, to quiet down as she's screaming frantically uh, because it's he's in shock. He's in shock that he that he just realized what he's done. Now, there's nothing in that video that I think could possibly incriminate him more than he's already basically shown out to be based on his decisions. It seems like there's some remorse in his voice based on me. I'm obviously not a psychologist, a doctor, or a mind reader, but it seems like there's remorse. He's 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 visibly upset with his decisions. She's screaming, asking for help. Can you help them? Can you help them? Uh, but I encourage you guys to watch. Now, it's, it's very interesting how this will play out. Because I, I don't think the remorse of him after he made these decisions is enough to get him anywhere. I, I think he's just got to eat. He's, he's, he's going to have to just eat his decisions and pay for them. And, and we've went over this. I've talked about it already. So I don't have to repeat myself that much. But it, it's, it's a travesty. It, it's a travesty that this had to happen. And it, it's going to be eye-opening for a lot of people in life. Uh, not only for her family that have been very vocal via the internet that they're struggling with the grief. As well as Derek Carr coming out and supporting his friend, saying he wishes he could have done something as his quarterback on his football team. The kid's 22 years old, so it's it's just sad. It's a sad situation overall. But for for a little more context, I encourage you guys to watch those videos. Just Google the TMZ uh, Henry Ruggs video release, and, and it'll they'll both pop right up. So I encourage you guys to to watch those. Last thing for updates, uh, something we haven't seen in over a year, which has been good for the NFL, uh, but here not so much. So the New York Giants had 13 people, coaches and players, both test positive for COVID in one day. Very interesting. I saw this release. Saquon Barkley was one of them. Xavier McKinney was one of them, as well as one of the Giants coaching staff that I remember vividly from the, the people that were released of the names. They then were tested again. To, to basically reiterate that they're still positive, 12 out of the 13 tests came back negative the second time, which is very interesting. And there's not really an explanation as of right now, whether it was the, an issue with the test, whether it was an issue with the tester, or an issue in overall just reading the test correctly. There, there's a lot of stuff out there, and you're going to see... Uh, as these players continuously test in the NFL uh, daily, and once this a uh, COVID scare happens like this, it's it's probably more than daily. So they're going to come out and see. They're doing investigations on it right now. But everyone except for one of the Giants' uh, assistant coaches are were all negative, uh, but he remained to have two positive tests in a row. So it's going to be interesting to see how this works now. Uh, what what happens from here in terms of the company the tests i don't know uh, the, could they be could, could they be wrong tests could they be tests that were messed with Uh, whether it be physically or digitally or uh, what have you. Uh, You can mess with a test any way you can. Uh, You guys, if you haven't done this, I've witnessed it, seen people that that smoked marijuana and needed a job, so they ended up doing whatever they had to do to make sure they passed the piss test. Uh, You could easily manipulate a test. But for it to happen in the NFL where there's hundreds of millions and possibly billions of dollars bet on these football games, the, the amount of money that could be lost and or alter the outcome of a football game because of something like this that could have been easily avoided or the, the, even just the impact of, of the situation at hand The impact is crazy. All 13 of those players end up being starters on the Giants. It ends up affecting everything that could have happened for the rest of the team, for the rest of the Giants' season, for the opponent's season, and for all the people that bet money on these football teams. Out, The impact is crazy, and and it's a snowball effect. So it's just interesting. I kind of want to see who's at fault here and whether any of that comes out. Because it's going to be very interesting to see if somebody tried to manipulate these tests to do something, or if uh, it's just someone with a lot of ignorance and or made a huge error to cause 13 positive tests when only 12 of them were actual positives, or were actual, 12 of them were actually wrong as it, as where one of them was correct. All right, that's the news. We are going to hop right in to the the week nine slate. Uh, the teams that are on a bye week this week: the Washington Football Team, the Bucks, uh, the Detroit Lions, and the Seattle Seahawks, all on a bye this week. Washington and Tampa Bay will play each other next week, so uh, the Lions don't have an opportunity to lose another football game. So maybe, possibly, coming out of the bye, they have a shot at getting a win. And uh, the return of Russell Wilson after the bye should still be happening. I've seen multiple videos of Russ. Uh, in the weight room, getting ready to go. Saw him throw football for the first time since he's uh, had the pins removed from his surgery. So, uh, interesting to see those teams when they come back. But we're going to start in Dallas. The Broncos are at the Cowboys. Uh, this is going to be a story of the Cowboys offense versus the Broncos defense. I know they just got rid of Von Miller. Uh, and t- t- basically... It's crazy how this all unfolded and relatively quickly. Well, they recovered some things that they knew they couldn't get if they waited to get to the end of the year with Von Miller and knew they weren't going to resign him. That is the biggest reason why they probably traded him to begin with so that they could recoup at least something and not lose everything. But Dak's return should be this week. Uh, he came out multiple times in the media this week saying uh, he's he's ready to go. Uh, he should make his return. Nothing word to, word to feel wrong for him to tell you otherwise, which leads me to believe that Dak's going to play this week. But the biggest thing that I'm looking at is Trayvon Diggs versus Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy last week, first week back, didn't have huge statistics, but saw some things that we saw when he was healthy at the beginning of the season. I think Jerry Judy's one of the best route runners in the league, honestly. I've seen a lot of tape on him, not only at Alabama, but also during his career, even with the his early career with the Denver Broncos. Uh, and Trayvon Diggs is dinged up or was dinged up at the end of the Vikings game last week. Let's see how good he is because uh, I think he's the only possible person that could cover Jerry Judy. And if he's not a hundred percent and it's a lower leg issue, he's not going to be able to keep up uh, with Jerry Judy's speed. So uh, that leads me to the pick that is in, I'm going with the Broncos plus 10. I, I think 10's a lot to give up here. And D- at Dak's first game back, Uh, the, the, the Zeke, Tony Pollard duo looked bad against the, the defense of the Minnesota Vikings. And this defense is a whole lot better with Vic Fangio at the helm, uh, as their head coach and defensive play caller. So I'm going with the Broncos plus 10 and I'm going to go with the under. Uh, I don't see these this point this point system going a lot higher. The Cowboys' defense has been relatively good all season. Uh, their front seven has played a lot better better with Michael Parsons, even without Demarcus Lawrence. So I don't see this point this this point total getting anywhere near that. So I'm going to go confidently with the the under in this game of 49. Next on the bracket, we've got the Browns at the Bengals the Browns big game this week like how is the how is the locker room going to react there were multiple players that came out and said that they loved Odell Beckham in the locker room now that's fine i get that but you have to compare that to how Baker Mayfield plays when Odell Beckham Jr is not on the field i don't have the exact stats in front of me nor do i have numbers but without without Odell on the field, it looks and seems, based on not only the statistics, but also the body language of Baker Mayfield. There's more confidence there. He's His statistics look better. And, and he may be able to take advantage of that Bengals defense. Now, I think that the Bengals defense has a bounce back this week. Gave up a lot of points last week to the Jets and Mike White. Mike White Lightning is what everybody is calling him. Now, the defense... Is played last week the way everyone projected them to play all season. So I'm kind of on the fence here. This is not a confident game for me in terms of trying to pick someone. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase have been amazing this entire season. They haven't, they've been struggling to run the football in the last few weeks with Joe Mixon. And they're probably also going to struggle this week against the Browns front seven. So I'm not confident in these picks, but I gotta go with my gut here. The pick is in. I'm going with the Browns plus two and a half divisional game. I think that this is gonna be a close game all the way through. And I don't think I don't think it's gonna be a higher scoring game. They're both quarterbacks are gonna have to try and game manage for different reasons. Joe Joe Burrow is basically going to have to try to navigate that Browns defense and also try not to make mistakes. Whereas Baker Mayfield is going to be a game manager the rest of the season, considering he's playing with a torn labrum, so he's also going to try and stay away from taking hits to that side of his body. So it's it, I don't see this going up. So I'm going to go with the Browns plus two and a half, like I said, and the under of 47. Next on the list, the Bills are at the Jaguars. I've talked. It, to exhaustion not only on this podcast but also to people in real life at, at my work to my coworkers, to my friends uh, to my family about how Josh Allen doesn't look 100% there this year now he's taken on more of a game manager role based on him playing off of the amazing play from his defense but I think his performance this week is gonna is gonna break that now I I love Josh Allen and I think that the Bills are up there in terms of uh, could definitely win a number one overall seed in the AFC. They're definitely top three uh, in the AFC and definitely top five in the league right now in terms of uh, overall best teams that I think could make a Super Bowl run. So I, I expect Josh Allen to be able to bounce back. Now, if he has another game-managing performance where it's not as, as good as he normally would be, I still think they win this game big. But uh, Trevor Lawrence needs to figure it out. Now, most of most of the issues with the Jaguars are probably coaching issues. Urban Meyer, just like I said last week, and I, I cannot say this enough, he does not look like he wants to even be in Jacksonville. It looks like he wants to be on a plane, in a bar, somewhere not coaching that football team. His, his his mannerisms on the sideline, his his media presence, it doesn't look like, and it's hurting the development of Trevor Lawrence. It's hurting his development. Now, James Robinson dinged up may or may not play with the bruised heel this week. That's going to be a huge hit, not only for fantasy, but for them overall with with. Carlos Hyde being the only other amazing running back or b- decent running back on that squad who's also questionable with an is- with with an injury so I don't it's just going to be another struggle of a game for them it's it, it the jags are just going to continue to struggle until Urban Meyer either starts trying to coach or trying to want to coach uh, or Trevor Lawrence just block blocks him out and starts playing like he did in college. And then one more last thing before we get to my pick on this game is Savon Diggs needs a breakout game. He has 100-yard receiving game and three touchdowns through eight weeks. Well, one of those is a bye week, through seven weeks. Now, that's not exactly what you thought you'd see, uh, especially if you have him in fantasy. Not exactly what you'd, you expected you'd see from him. A lot more 100-yard performances, a lot more bigger performances with more touchdowns. Uh, it's just been because of the game managing Josh Allen that they don't need to throw the football up 20 points. They've been in the lead in every game this year, and it's just it's just a struggle to uh, to get fantasy production out of these players if they don't need to throw the football, or the weather's bad, or they're running successfully for a, a few drives. It's just hard to place my finger on. It, it's a bunch of different things that combine. So uh, my pick is in for this game. I'm going with the Bills minus 14 and a half. I don't think the Jags get anywhere close. It's just it, it's going to be and, – and projecting that big game from the Bills, there's uh, there's no way that they keep up. And if they do, I'm good on them. And then I'm going to go with the over of 48 and a half. I think there's an ability for for the Buffalo Bills to come out and score 40 in this game. And uh, that that means that I only need the Jags to score ten, which they only scored seven last week. So it might be a little bit of a ballsy pick, but I'm going with it. Next on the list, the Falcons are at the Saints. Who is starting for New Orleans at quarterback? I have no idea. There's been uh, media presence out there. Taysom Hill, he's off the COVID list. He's off the injury list. He's 100% healthy. Is he going to start this week? I have not confirmed anything, nor have I seen anything saying who the starting quarterback is. Uh, There's not going to be a Philip Rivers slash Drew Brees signing and starting. It's not happening, although a lot of people were expecting that. Uh, Listen, I think there's not a single chance in hell that you start Taysom Hill and play him the whole game. We've seen that. We've seen that last year. It doesn't work. He's not an every-down quarterback. He's a gadget guy who can help you everywhere on the field as long as he's not the starting quarterback. So I think Trevor Simeon gets the start. I expect a lot of offensive performance from the other side of the football as well. Now, only because when these two teams play, it it's often a close game. Especially the last few years. Now, the the offensive weapons on the Atlanta Falcons have been limited with the exit of Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley taking a hiatus for mental health, their wide receiver core with I'm probably gonna butcher this, but Olamide Zacchaeus and and Russell Gage. I I don't like that at all, and then with the zero amount of help that they're getting at the wide receiver position, now they're keying in on Kyle Pitts, which uh, is going to hurt his production as well, and the overall team's production, so the difference maker in this football game is actually Cordero Patterson, so he's going to have to make a big impact on the outside in in the, the wide receiver room. He's going to have to make big plays on the outside, which he is capable of doing, yet he doesn't often do. He's capable of doing it. He's going to have to run wheel routes, figure out a way to get down the field and get open so that Kyle Pitts can be effective in the middle of the field and everywhere, as well as making plays in the run game because he is probably 50% of their run, uh, run efficiency as well. So he has the opportunity to hit at three different levels. Within the receiving game, in the run game, and in the return game. So he definitely needs to make an impact. And I think that he will, like he has multiple weeks this week or this year. Uh, So the pick is in. I'm going with the Falcons plus five and a half and the over of 41. 41 is way too low for this football game. Uh, I expect a lot out of Alvin Kamara. I expect whoever's playing quarterback uh, for the New Orleans Saints to be able to beat a very piss poor. Atlanta defense, especially in a pass rush. So they're gonna have all day back there to do stuff. And I expect a lot of stuff to to, to come in, and there's gonna be some more scoring than you would expect in this game. Next on the list, the Patriots are at the Panthers. Does anyone know what the Panthers offense is? Uh, because I can't figure it out. You've got a struggling quarterback, you've got an XFL quarterback as a backup. Chuba Hubbard decides when he wants to have yards and when he doesn't, probably basically because of the offensive line struggling. Uh, and their defense is it's, it's hit or miss every week. So I don't know what their offense is. Uh, I know DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson are hurting uh, in terms of production based on the bad quarterback play that they've gotten from Sam Darnold. And all of a sudden Sam Darnold is running the football like Lamar Jackson with like 10 carries for 70 yards last week or something like that. I don't, I don't know what to, I don't know what to make of it. And if they can figure it out, the secondary for the New England Patriots right now is hurting. They're hurting hard. Uh, they lost Stefan Gilmore. He now plays for, uh, ironically enough, the Panthers, who he will return and play his former team in a revenge game. But J.C. Jackson, their stud young corner, is dinged up. He's he's been missing practice sporadically this week. So we don't know if he's going to play. Who's going to start a cornerback? I have no idea. I'm I'm lost. And and the best game manager in the league is is a rookie in Mac Jones. He does enough to win football games. Look at him last week. They were able to run the football. He was able to make decent decisions. He had a bad game and was able to game manage himself through to get the victory. He was a little over 50% passing, which is not good at all, especially in a Bill Belichick offense. And they were able to run the football and beat a, an L.A. Chargers team who's struggling right now. So, I, I don't know. I, I got to lean one type of way, and I'm going to lean this way. The pick is in. I'm going with the Patriots minus three and a half. I think they that Mac Jones and Bill Belichick scheme up, team up, and find a way to win by a touchdown in this football game. And I'm going with the over. I don't know why there's zero respect for from Vegas to, to – put on the Patriots for over-unders, but the last few weeks, their over-unders have been extremely low. Extremely low. I think the Jets' over-under was 42, and the total was 67, and the Jets only scored 13. So, I'm going with the over here at 41. That's way too low. So, that's two overs of 41s in the last two games that we've just went over. Next on the list, my Minnesota Vikings are at the Ravens. Listen, I have seen a lot of Kirk Cousins stuff. Tell me, In the past four years, I've probably seen 400 articles written on Kirk Cousins and how bad he sucks. So let's try and back him up just a tad in this next statement. So Kirk Cousins is extremely good in November. Extremely good. He wins 90% of his games in November, which is cool. That's awesome. I I love it. Their offense is struggling right now. Now, their offense is only struggling – Because the offensive play calling is awful. Literally awful. You have the best running back that's breaking off big runs in the first half against Dallas. Against that defense. He's breaking off some big runs. 9, 12, 15, 8, 9, 12. And yeah, he has a few stinkers. He's got a few 0, negative 1 runs as well. But then they stop running the football in the second half when they've been up or tied for the lead the entire middle of the football game. Makes literally no sense at all Kirk cousins still has guarded against making huge mistakes this year. He's not making huge mistakes, but but the play calls are terrible. Now I don't know if he has the power to change the entire play call, how that team is set up, whether it's like Peyton Manning where he basically calls his own game. I don't think that's the way it is in Minnesota, nor do I think Mike Zimmer would ever let him do that. So maybe they should and see what happens. Um, But Lamar Jackson and the weapons he has at his disposal with Rashad Bateman back healthy. You got Sammy Watkins, who's been dinged up, might not play in this football game. You got a plethora of running backs, plus the threat of Lamar Jackson. And with Daniil Hunter out for the rest of the season, we're going to need to get pressure, but not too much so that Lamar can run. It is going to be a struggle for that Vikings defense all day. So the offense needs to try and carry them. And... I don't know if it's possible. We're going to find out if it's possible because the Ravens secondary is extremely soft, extremely soft. They have one solid corner and the rest of them are not good. Uh, Via PFF, uh, via statistics and uh, via the past few games, they get beat down the field more than most teams in the NFL. And it, it's something that we could take advantage of. As a, as a Viking squad that can do that with their quarterback and with their weapons, but will they call the plays? Will those plays be called? I have no idea. Not a clue. Front seven for the Baltimore Ravens is good. Dalvin Cook's going to probably struggle most of the day, maybe have one or two good runs, but Kirk's going to have to push the ball down the field, and the right play calls are going to need to be called because the defense will struggle in this football game. Uh, based on the pick is in, and I'm not homering this at all. I expect the the Minnesota Vikings to lose in this football game. But based on every game that I've seen this season, they're all close. Six points is a lot. I'm going to take the Vikings plus six. Uh, li- listen, there it's not too far in my head to want to take the Ravens, at least a little in my head. Uh, but the, all the games have been close. They've been decent against the spread this year. Uh, whether it be a push or a win against the spread, they've been good this year. Uh, because they haven't been favored in many games. So they've been good against the spread somewhat. I, I got to go with the over here. I don't see how Lamar Jackson doesn't score 30. So the only way we win is going to score need to score more than Lamar Jackson does. And, and I don't know if that's possible, nor do I know how to contain him because he looks amazing. Next on the list, the Raiders are at the Giants. Saquon Barkley should be making his return this week which is going to be interesting because Saquon Barkley's been the biggest hit or miss running back through his career and not only hit or miss in terms of statistics. Hit or miss in terms of is he healthy enough to be on the field? I don't have the answer. I don't have the answer why. I did hear some weird stuff. So I made multiple comments about Saquon being around the area that I'm from. He he went to high school about 5 miles from my house that I currently reside right now. i talked to somebody who's friends with the family of Saquon, and they mentioned that he, in terms of even growing up in peewee football, always had issues with his ankles. So if I didn't know that, obviously, because I don't know. I didn't know Saquon Barkley when he was in peewees, but that that's going to be a huge issue if he has huge ankle issues. And was that overlooked when he was drafted? Because he had issues at Whitehall. He had issues, which was his his high school team, Whitehall, Zephyrs. And then he had issues at Penn State. And now he has issues at the Giants. I don't know why people are surprised that he's getting dinged up. Now, the problem with him overall is that his statistics need to make up for his injuries. Or the whole pick is worthless. If he's going to miss a whole year, when he comes back, he needs to rush for 120 yards a game. And score touchdowns. Which has not been happening. Uh, but the biggest thing in this game is the the Henry Ruggs' impact on this locker room and whether or not Derek Carr can steer the ship. Derek Carr needs to lead this team to victory and keep everyone sane. Now, they've been hit with the John Gruden stuff. They've been hit with a lot of other BS, with Mark Davis making his comments. Uh, they, now they're hit with the Ruggs issue. They have a lot of stuff that's altering the mindset of their football team. Derek Carr has the ability to be the leader he is, and keep them on the beaten path. Keep him on the path and they will have no problem beating the New York Giants, which is why the pick is in. I am going with the Raiders minus three. I think it's gonna be a lot bigger than three. Uh, so I'm willing to lay the three. And then I'm gonna go with the under of 47. Giants can't score points. It, it just it just doesn't happen. I'm, I'm looking at like a 24-10 game, 27 to 10 maybe. Uh, Daniel Jones looks bad. They're dinged up everywhere on the offense, and the defense has been playing better, don't get me wrong. Uh, But they haven't played teams that have been hot recently, Uh, teams that have cooled off as their basic opponent for the past few weeks. So uh, I expect the Raiders to come in and and, and take care of business in this game. Next on the list, the Texans are at the Dolphins. Uh, Great game, not So not an exciting game to watch. Uh, Whether you're a fan of this team or not, you would probably willingly admit that Tyrod Taylor's back for the Texans, which is why they're not they're not getting 14 points because Davis Mills is horrible. He's horrible. Miami's struggling defense is the biggest reason why they're one and seven right now. They've been dinged up in the back end. They have people that want to leave the team. Uh, It seems like the coach doesn't have control of this football team uh, in multiple ways. Not only do players want to leave and they say he's not a player's coach, but also uh, the organization's coming out trying to pursue other quarterbacks while they have a relatively young one on their football team. So uh, there's one question I have how long can Tua play at a solid rate because don't get me wrong he's not the best quarterback in the lead but he's at least a solid quarterback like he's not bottom two bottom seven he's probably bottom 15 maybe bottom 10 if, if between 10 and 15 so he's like ranked what maybe 23rd 20 22nd 21st he's not terrible. He's not the best quarterback in the league, but he's not terrible, but his psyche gets hurt every time this stuff comes out in the media, and you can't tell me that these players don't look at the media. They don't look at their phones. They don't look at ESPN. They're humans. They do the same thing that us as football fans do, except they're on a different, they have a different life, life setup, I guess you could say, but they still look at the media. Hell... Aaron Rodgers came out and said he wasn't looking at anything that was coming out in the media when he was planning on leaving the Green Bay Packers if they didn't if he didn't get more impact or get more input in their decisions. You can't tell me he wasn't watching ESPN every day. He definitely was. Even if he if, even if he claims to be a book enthusiast and all he does is read, stop. You're, you're looking at the, you're looking at the TV. You're looking at what they're saying about you, and you're looking at how you're going to respond based on what they say about you. So, off of that soapbox, onto my pick for this game. The pick is in. I'm going with the Texans plus five and a half. And I wouldn't be surprised if they win this football game. I trust Ty- Tyrod Taylor more than I trust Tua. Tyrod's a game manager who can run the football. Now, he is coming off a hamstring injury. Uh, and their defense is horrible, probably just as horrible as the Miami Dolphins. So, uh, based on that statement alone, I have to go with the over as well of 46. Next on the list, the Chargers are at the hometown Philadelphia Eagles. The Chargers are struggling, but not only on offense. Their offense has struggled. Herbert has looked off the last few weeks, uh, bye week in between the last two losses. Uh, they lost to Baltimore and New England, which are not the worst two teams to lose to, honestly. So I wouldn't consider them in a free fall, but they aren't playing well. But they, they are the worst team against stopping the run. And I wouldn't expect that uh, from a team with Joey Bosa and a decent amount of good linebackers. Now, they do have Derwin James in the back end. they got a few good corners. Uh, They're better against the pass, definitely, than they are against the run. But the the Eagles are a sneaky good defense the same way that people expect the Chargers to be a good defense. Now, the big names aren't there. Don't get me wrong. The Eagles don't have big-name players. Uh, But their defense is sneaky good. Now, Darius Slay holding stuff down in the back end. You've got... A decent amount of people up front in Fletcher Fletcher Cox and Derek Barnett giving pressure to the opposing quarterbacks, and they play the run pretty well. So the Eagles are a very underrated defense in this game. So I expect it to be a lot lower scoring game than people think. Uh, however, the biggest problem is going to be Jalen Hurts throwing the ball down the field. Doesn't look like he's going to have one of his star receivers, Jalen Rager. It looks like he's going to miss this week. Uh, right As of right now, he's doubtful. He's missing practices. So if he plays, he's not going to be 100%. Him and Devontae Smith, the rookie standout wide receiver from Alabama who won the Heisman. It looks as if him and Jalen Hurts are on the wrong page. He's getting targets but not many catches. He's catching a little over 50% of his targets. And last week he only had three targets uh, and only one catch. So we'll see if he's able to get somewhere into that defense. Uh, But the pick is in. I I believe in the Chargers turning this around and getting a victory. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not confident about the spread here. Uh, The Chargers minus two is what I'm going with. I, I would feel more confident in the money line. Uh, Because I expect this to be a close, low-scoring game, which is why I'm more confident in the under of 49-and-a-half. Next on the lifts, we finally get to the Packers at the Chiefs. We will have our first Jordan Love sighting in the regular season. Uh, I don't know if anybody out there is going to consider me biased, but I have reasons to back it up. Jordan Love is not a good quarterback. I've seen tape of him in midi camp. I've seen tape of him in training camp. I've seen tape of him in preseason. Nothing I've seen Meg, leads me to believe that he is a professional NFL professional quarterback. Nothing has led me to believe that. Now, there's other ways that the, the Green Bay Packers can stay in this game or win it, uh, and that's going to be with the run game. So A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones are going to be a huge factor in this football game for the Green Bay Packers. If they don't have success and the Chiefs bottle them up and force Jordan Love to throw the ball down the field at a at a high volume rate, there is going to be a lot of interceptions from people in red jerseys. There is going to be a lot because he's not accurate. He's got a slow delivery, and it just looks weird with the ball coming out. If you guys don't trust me, go watch some tape on Jordan Love. The ball just looks weird coming out, and you can even look at it at Utah State, where he came from. It looks, in college, it looks really weird coming out. So, uh, similar to Trey Lance, actually. But off of that, the Chiefs need a big win here, and they've been gifted – They've been gifted this, and they need to take advantage of it. The Chiefs need to turn this season around and prove that they are the number one team in that division, and they need to prove that they are still the team that everyone expected them to be via the past three seasons with Patrick Mahomes. Now, Mahomes has been struggling. He's leading all quarterbacks with turnovers right now, fumbles plus interceptions. But it has a chance to turn around and and Andy Reid, I saw something on him in the locker room after the win on Monday night against the Giants. That there's going to be changes to the practices. There's going to be changes that that he's going to trust that the players are going to take uh, good heartedly. Let's see what those changes are, uh, because they and and they found something in that in that Monday night game that a lot of people will overlook. Derek Gore, the the young running back that they have, looked very promising. Looked very promising. Looked like a hybrid of the two running backs they currently have on that roster. Daryl Williams and Jarek McKinnon. Look like a perfect hybrid. He's the size of McKinnon with the speed, but it can also run between the tackles like uh, Daryl Williams. So, I like what I see from him. I think the Chiefs bounce back big here. And I said that last week, and I was wrong uh, in terms of the spread and in terms of the over-unders. So, this week I'm projecting it. Not to, I'm not going to be wrong. So, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Minus seven and a half. Uh, and I'm going to go with the under, though. So I'm going to th- think the Chiefs defense shows up again. A lot of positivity coming out of that Monday night game, even though it was against the New York football giants. Uh, but I'm going to go with the under of 48. I think it's going to be just under that, uh, where the Chiefs get a win maybe 27, maybe 27 to 17, something like that. So that'll get me covered on both of those, and then it'll be somewhat close to there. So not too confident with either of those in that game. Too many unknowns, too much going on, but those are my picks. Chiefs minus 7.5 and and the under of 48.5. Next on the list, the Cardinals are at the 49ers. Another divisional game here. Uh, Cole McCoy makes a start for an injured Kyler Murray with Kyler Murray's ankle. He's still dinged up. Uh, Could miss up to three weeks, but it looks like he may be back a little bit before then. Uh, Cole McCoy, old backup quarterback. I, I don't know what to expect from Colt McCoy. He hasn't looked good anywhere he's been when he's had to come in football games. Uh, but they have a lot of firepower, and they also have a run game that's been relatively good this season. So with Chase Edmonds, who may or may not play in this game, and also James Conner, they have the ability to stay in this football game, even though a lot of people will expect them not to. These are always close games, regardless of how good or bad the current teams are in the NFC West. Um, but who's covering Debo Samuel? I have no idea who's covering Debo Samuel. They don't have a strong secondary. Debo is open in every game at least three times the ga- in the game. I don't care if it's a monsoon. I don't care if you're playing the best defense. I-, I don't care if he falls down on the route. He is open on at least three plays in every game this season. Next-gen stat, that. I've seen it with my own two eyeballs. Debo's playing amazing, and the interesting part of that is Brandon Ayuk was supposed to be the number one target on, in this offense, and it's been Debo, and Ayuk has been nowhere to be found. A little bit more involved last week, which gives give us, gives him promise moving forward. Um, but Debo is playing amazing, amazing right now. Number two in receiving yards this season in the league. And Jimmy G's play has been so spotty that if he was on point, Debo would have more yards. So let's see how they play this week. The pick is in. I'm going with a one-point game either way. I'm not picking a winner in this one, but I'm going to go with a one-point game either way. So I'm going to take the Cardinals plus two, so that's covered. Uh, Whether they win by one or lose by one, I still win that. And the under of 45, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. They both scored under 20 I think they both scored under 25. I think it was 23 to 20 in their first meeting and that was with Kyler. So let's see what happens without Kyler. Next Sunday night football, the Titans are at the Rams. What is life like for Tennessee Titan fans, Tennessee Titan players and the Tennessee Titans organization as a whole life without Derrick Henry? Let's see what happens. They went out, they signed Adrian Peterson. Uh, They signed Dante Foreman, former Texans backup running back, uh, promising college running back that didn't end up panning out well for him in the NFL, Uh, but they have both of those two as well as Jeremy McNichols, who is similar to a J.D. McKissick where he catches decent passes out of the backfield but can't run between the tackles. Uh, So you have those three to try and replace the production of the best running back in King Derrick Henry. I don't think anybody can replace Derrick Henry's production nor have the presence of him on the football field. Uh but I think that they're able to play decently offensively. Uh obviously without Julio Jones being any type of a having any type of production like he hasn't had all season. Uh but AJ Brown being playing well, they have a young wide receiver. Uh his name slips my mind at this moment. But He's a good wide receiver, a hyphenated last name. You guys, double-check me on that. I forget what his name is. He's, it's, got a, it's a weird name, but it's hyphenated. He's been making good plays, as well as their tight ends that make good plays as well in the past game. Uh, but St- Matt Stafford's performance, once again, going to be on, under a microscope. How long can Matt Stafford keep this up? Or is this just him on a successful team? That is the, the weight limit here. That is what we are weighing as football fans. Is this matt stafford's peak can he get better or stay more consistent or is he eventually going to have the bad games that he used to have in detroit or was detroit the reason why he was having those bad games that's the only question left now the first half of the season that the first part of that conversation i just had is correct where he is way better than the team he used to play for uh, but will he regress even a little will he regress even a little bit but this, my friends, is the perfect, the perfect representation of an ultimate trap game. This seems like the biggest trap game so far this season in terms of the spread and the over unders. It, it seems. And listen, I'm, I'm not falling for it. I'm not doing it. I think I've called the biggest trap game ever. So we're gonna go with it. The pick is in. I'm going with the Titans plus seven. Seven's a lot of points. The seven is a lot of points, and you got a a number. You have the, a top three team in the AFC versus a top three team in the NFC. I don't see how you can have a seven point spread there. I know Derrick Henry's not playing, but I feel this is a trap. I'm not picking that. I'm not picking the Rams here. So Patriot, or sorry, Titans plus seven, and I'm going to go with the over. I think it's a close game. Twenty eight, twenty seven, thirty to twenty eight, something in in that realm. Uh, with the Titans f- surprising people um, in sp- and, and beating the Rams defense on multiple big plays, as well as the Titans defense getting back to normal where they don't perform very well. We've reached the last football game, the Monday night game. Uh, the Bears are at the Steelers. Uh, big Ben versus Justin Fields. Uh, Justin Fields' development is all Bears fans should care about at this point. They've struggled offensively. They've struggled even re- as of recently. They've struggled defensively. Uh, so if I was a Bears fan, which I'm clearly not, but if I was a Bears fan, I am just I just want to see positivity from Justin Fields uh, and my defense to play the way they should. That's all I want out of this football game. Not a win, not a loss. Now, you can obviously root for a win if you're a Bears fan, but uh, that's all I want to see. And, and And I want it to be relatively mistake-free as well. Uh, but Big Ben in that offense, so spotty. They don't throw the ball down the field very often, if if at all. Uh, trusting basically yards after the catch by their playmakers on offense to basically carry them through football games. Uh, you guys know my rule. Uh, before I even get to that, the the, the trickery in this game, I, I expect it. I, I think the that Matt Nagy's getting super nervous about the hot seat he's on. And I think the P- the Pittsburgh Steelers need to figure out how to win these games now, while they're while they haven't figured it out, so that they can contend in the division they're in and in the wild card race in the AFC. Uh, so the pick is in. I'm going to go with the blip, the Bears plus six here. I don't see the Steelers blowing people out. Uh, similar to how I feel about my own football team, the Vikings. Uh, they just the Steelers don't blow people out, especially with this current team they have now. If they're going to win, they're going to win by a small margin. Now. I'm expecting a lot more than what this over-under is. And my my basic rule, I told you guys about over-unders. If it's over 56, I take the under always. Uh, and if it's over 40, or if it's, if it's 42, I always take the, sorry, if it's lower than 42, I always take the over. Uh, so the over-under right now is 39. I nabbed it already. So uh, I'm going with the over of 39. All right, guys, we've reached the, Emmanuel Kidane Parlay, from now now on, every week will be known as the EK Parlay. Uh, So I'm going to take all of those outcomes I just gave you guys via the spread and via the over-unders. I got six of them for you in the EK Parlay. Uh, So hopefully we win this week. I got a very good uh very good odds in this parlay six games looking at a little over 44 to 1 odds so five dollars wins you over 200 so if you're willing to take it take a chance on it i feel pretty confident with it so right now i'm going to disclose the six legs of the ek parlay first leg denver dallas under 49 like i mentioned before uh, dallas's defense has been playing a lot better than people expected. And the Denver defense is underrated and they're gonna play better as well. I don't think that comes back and lights the world on fire. Uh, So I gotta go with the under of 49. Next leg, the second leg is the Atlanta Falcons, New Orleans Saints game over 41. I don't see a way in hell that Alvin Kamara doesn't score two touchdowns himself, which will add clearly to that over under. Uh, I think that Kyle Pitts has a game I think that the, the the Cordero-Patterson effect and Matt Ryan always playing well in a divisional game is going to get them over that hump, and I, I I love the over here of 41. Third leg of the of the parlay is the Patriots Carolina Panthers over of 41. Listen, F, new, I mentioned this before. New Orleans, or sorry, not New Orleans, uh, New England always has a low over not over under score uh, via Vegas. I, I don't see that. I think Carolina scores on that defense that's struggling in the back end, regardless of what quarterback they put in there, put in the uh, behind center. And I think Mac Jones is game managing enough to score points and definitely able to to navigate 20, uh, if not 20 plus. So I think that this game is going to be overshot uh, by a lot over 41. Next leg of the parlay, the, parlay, this, the fourth leg is the L.A. Chargers Philadelphia Eagles game. I'm going under 49 and a half. I love both of these defenses. I think that the Chargers defense is going to get hurt early on the ground, but they're going to figure it out. I see this as a lower scoring game than people think. Uh, I'm not as confident with the spread of two, uh, the Chargers minus two or the Eagles plus two, as I am with the over/under, which is why it's in the ek parlay in general. Uh, so I got to go with the Chargers, Philadelphia Eagles under 49 and a half. The fifth leg, uh, which is the only leg that is not an over/under this week, which is very interesting and a first, honestly, uh, is the Raiders minus three here. I, I love Derek Carr's leadership. I hate everything that has to do with the New York Giants right now. Their, their injury status uh, in terms of offense and defense. Uh, their defense has been inconsistent. Daniel Jones is a joke. Saquon's going to come back. He's not going to be 100%, and their playmakers are hurt on offense. Uh, their, their, their defense played better than they should have against Patrick Mahomes, and he's been struggling as well. So their performance last week was a bit inflated. Uh, so i am got to take the Raiders minus three here. I think the Raiders win by at least a touchdown. And the last leg of the parlay. I mentioned it a million times. I always go over. If it's under 42, got to go with the Bears-Pittsburgh Steelers over of 39. Last week, there was a 39 and a half. It was the 49ers-Bears game. They ended up scoring 55. Listen, the Bears defense has played piss poor the last few weeks. Big Ben's just going to figure it out, and I think Najee Harris has a decent game this week. Uh, so I got to go with the Bears, Pittsburgh Steelers over of 39 for the last leg of the EK parlay, and that's at 44 to one odds. So whatever you bet, times 44 will be your payout. That is going to end the preview segment uh, for the NFL Week 9. I uh, Appreciate all you guys listening out there. Let everyone know, any sports fans that you know. Let them know about the podcast, the All In Man Cave podcast. Give me a like. Give me a uh, subscribe anywhere that you can subscribe. Whether whether you listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Alexa, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, or Spotify. Thank you so much. Uh, anything you I can do to grow the podcast in terms of anything feedback related, please find me on Facebook. C O L E first name Cole, last name Hay, H-A-Y-D and dog, T as in Tom. Shoot me a friend request. Shoot me a comment uh, via messenger. Uh, shoot me anything uh, that you want um, to, so that I know what you guys want more of in terms of the podcast. Shoot shout out to people in, in real life, not via the internet, giving me feedback, uh, giving me comments and what have you. So I really appreciate it. Guys, this was my 40th episode posted. I know I've been doing a lot more recently because we've been doing three a week, started at one a week uh, ever since June, Uh, probably first episode launched a little uh, about the end of June, maybe mid to end of June. So been doing it for a few months now, really enjoy it. Thank you guys so much once again for giving me a listen. Good luck to all of your teams this week. Hope everybody has a wonderful, relaxing weekend. I will talk to you guys on Monday uh, to give you the best bets for the Monday night football game in terms of player props uh, and game lines. Uh, But until Monday, peace.